guessing this is Bill or Emily, your thoughts of your assistant course. Um, so we are uh, in uh, the letter of James, and uh, we just finished up chapter two last week, and this week, chapter three, um, we're going to be getting into more of um, what we just spent some time praying about. So if you are using the Bibles um, that are there in the seats, the black ones, the CSB, it's on uh, page 1072. Um, I don't know if we, we might not have anybody back there right now um, to do the, uh, you got it for me? You just have to hit the, uh, the B, because I have it blacked out before you leave. So, um, so James has been talking to us um, as we've been going through this book together about having our lives match up with what we say we have faith in, with who we say we have faith in. He's been telling us that um, if we really have faith, if we really are believing in who Jesus is, what he's done for us, who God is, what our relationship to him is, then that should be shown in the way that we act, in uh, the way that we talk, even, and that's what we're going to get in more today. So today's um, message is from the first 12 verses of chapter 3. So let's read them together, and we can dig in and uh, see what the application is for us today. All right, chapter three, verse one. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. So actually, I'm, I'm just gonna be done here. Uh, I don't need that stricter judgment, right? I'm just gonna walk off. If anybody wants to come finish, that's fine, but know that you know, you've got more on your plate coming toward you. Um, no, we'll, we'll keep reading, but um, we'll get that. That's a, okay, all right. So this is, this is serious stuff that we're dealing with. This isn't just uh, an add-on to the letter. This is, um, as we're going to see, getting again at our hearts. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small fire, how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body sets the course of life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed, and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, 
These things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. So as you can see, James uh, feels there's a lot of gray area when we talk about the tongue, right? It's not very clear. It's like, well, you know, tongue, it could be good, it could be bad, you know, whatever. No, James is like all in on, like, watch out. Your tongue is just out here to like, you know, the saying, like, some people like to watch the world burn. Tongues, they just, they all want to watch the world burn. And they're going, okay, this is, this is really, this is really what you're about, okay. So, so we dig in, and, and like I jokingly mentioned at the front, he comes right at, not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Because in connecting it to where we've already been, what has James said about how we should listen compared to how we speak. Quick to listen, not quick to speak. Man, right, it's true. So he's also said that, right, our, our faith is gonna be shown by our words. And in the, in the tradition that they have been, because James is writing to, to Jewish believers who they have grown up going to the synagogue and they've been taught by rabbis. Right when the disciples were following Jesus around, one of the titles they would refer to him as was teacher, right? So this isn't this is a an office or a responsibility that these people would have viewed as something worthwhile, something important, someone who mattered. And when you, you would go to the synagogue, anybody would be able to have their idea, their interpretation heard and discussed. Right? When, when we think about uh, Paul's missionary journeys, even after um, you know, he has become a Christian, he would go to the synagogues and he would be able to have a hearing early in his ministry to say, hey, we're, we're reading this passage today. I think it relates to this guy named Jesus. And people would, would listen. They wouldn't always agree, and sometimes he would run out of town. But there's this idea that it's um, certainly um, in the passages that talk about spiritual gifts, there are those that are supposed to be gifted in teaching and, and use that gift. But for, for all of us, as we learn things, as we gain more knowledge, as we have experience about what it means to follow Jesus, to live, or Jesus to walk in the spirit, we have the opportunity to share with one another, to teach with one another. And whether that is opportunities that may be like this up in front of a lot of people, opportunities that may be in a missional family or smaller discipleship opportunities where you have the opportunity to encourage a brother or sister and, and teach them about something you know. This warning is for all of those situations to say, 
this isn't something that you should jump at the chance at. When, when I was growing up, believe it or not, I had horrible stage fright. I had to be in kids' choir when I was in like third grade, so my mom was the choir director. And so, so I got up on the stage with all the other little kids, and I stood there like this. You know, little, you know, 50-pound Sean or whatever I was back then, just like burying my head in like the second row. Um, and eventually, at the end of high school, at the beginning of college, I got over stage fright. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'll speak in front of people. I'll like saying whatever. And like, if you ask me right now, like, hey, start giving, you know, a five-minute talk about just name some like random noun or object or whatever. That doesn't matter. It doesn't have like real significance. I'd be like, sure, I'll just make stuff up. It doesn't matter. Um, Whenever I got over that stage fright, there wasn't like nervousness to like be in front of people. But there's still, because of passages like this, verses like this, the fact that what we say, um, the way we live as people that have opportunities to teach or to preach has eternal consequences. Means this is the one thing I still get nervous about. Like, man, I could say something here and set somebody off on a course that maybe I didn't even intend, or maybe I did intend, but with the wrong intention. What if I interpret the passage wrong and then everybody thinks, oh yeah, this is the way to live and we're actually sending people down a path of unrighteousness or just a path of something that's not helpful. And this is especially true when we when we first like when you when you learn something you're eager to, to teach somebody else or when you I remember being in seminary and this is a a, a common problem because all our professors told us it was going to happen and we're like no that won't be me right and they say you know like once you once you get like part way into your first year of like Greek or Hebrew you think like you you know things like. Like when you're taking a regular language in school, like when you're taking Spanish or like I took German in high school or whatever, in the middle of German one, I didn't think I was ready to be like, yeah, I'll go like tell people what like this book in German means. I knew like 10 words, right? But because nobody like speaks like really old biblical Hebrew or like old biblical Greek because the language has changed enough in time. There's nobody around that, that like gives you that same sense. So you get through like a year of Hebrew, and you really know like, like, well, like what did we learn? Like 500 words a semester, maybe tops. You know, like a thousand words, and you're like, yeah. So what this really means here, everyone is, and you and you and you have this. Um, you're like, you know, you're gonna want to like put it in all your sermons. But I don't know all this Greek and all this Hebrew and. And, and you're going to want to go into the, the churches that you're serving at and be like, well, I'm in seminary, so you should probably just let me teach right away because I know things, right? This was, this was a, they told us it's going to happen. And even, even though we, like, had these warnings, like, we, we, you know, we moved from different parts of the country, some of us, to come to the area where the seminary was, and we were getting involved in churches. And like anybody who is um, getting involved in churches, you want people to 
to say, hey, these are the gifts that I think I have. This, I want to be able to serve here. What can I do? Um, but there's a, a temptation to be like, hey, um, I want this for reasons that aren't just like, you know, people have told me God has gifted me in X, Y, or Z. It's, you know, oh, I like this feeling of being in front of people. I like the, the idea of having authority and being able to tell people what to do or all of those temptations that can come with any kind of position where you're teaching. So all that to say, like, we want you all to be ready to teach one another. Because how many of us, when we're saved, has God given the Holy Spirit to? All of us, right? We're, we're a, a Baptist church, so we believe in the priesthood of all believers. So that means all of us have the responsibility when we have the opportunity, when God has placed us in that moment to serve and minister to one another, and that includes teaching what God has given us. So for all of us, when we have those opportunities to teach or to share, know that when we take those opportunities, that that places us with more responsibility. Because we have more responsibility, God will judge us differently. And so we need to take care of that responsibility. We need to take it seriously. And also because how easy would it be? It's not as easy right now when we all kind of know each other. And you know if I say, like, you know, we all need to be doing X. I'm up here saying that. You know, Sean's always done X. Like, obviously, it's going to be a lot harder for me to hide that here. But there can be opportunities where maybe you have them outside of um, your regular church circle, your regular missional family circle. Um, if our, our church would be bigger, it would be easier for lots of people to hear me say things, or me have even more opportunities to say things, without as many people being able to say, yeah, well, you're saying that, but, you know, James says that, like, you're supposed to, like, be doing that, too. And so there's this added seriousness, too, because James doesn't want people that are teaching that are just, what has he been talking about through chapters 1 and 2? You don't want to be the person who looks in the mirror and then goes away and doesn't live out the faith anymore. You don't want to be the person that says, yeah, like, uh, you know, James and James's example at the end of chapter 2 with the the person who needs clothes and food. That probably happens on the street, but it could just as easily be us being on Twitter being like, yeah, I, I liked that this person said something about social justice. So I, I, I like this, this video of a person that, that helped a, a homeless person on Facebook, but what did I do? Right, James says, in, in light of all of that, in light of what we're going to talk about with the power of the tongue, we should be very cautious and 
we should not think it something that we should be overly zealous to do of taking on this task of teaching. Because we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble, he's mature, able to control the whole body. From, from this passage, we see that James is saying that the, the hardest thing to control is your tongue. And it's so quick. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take much for something to want to slip out, right? Maybe the train didn't come on time, or the person on the sidewalk in front of you is doing like the drunk phone walk, and you can't get around them, but you don't know which way to go. And so you want to say something, you're like, what do I say? Fine, I'll just like walk to the other side of the street. I don't know. Maybe that happened to you on the way to church this morning. Maybe it actually happened to me, I'm not sure. All that to say, like, it doesn't have to be something super stressful, super tragic, super catastrophic for your tongue to want to go. Let's spit some things out. Let's be real quick. And so if you can control your tongue, you're going to be somebody who can control your whole body. And he gives these examples, right? Has, has anybody ever ridden on a horse? Anybody been near, near enough a horse to know it's a lot bigger than you at least? Right? Like how many of us just without any tools you think could like wrestle a horse to the ground? Okay, maybe JJ. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if you'd have to put Nolan down. You could probably maybe do a one arm. Maybe. But right, so we, we recognize, right? I stand next to a horse and I'm like as big as like one of its legs, maybe, on a good day, if it's a small horse. But you could, you could put a bit in its mouth. And all you gotta do is tug a little bit on the reins, however they teach you to do. I've only ridden a couple times and it's been a long time. I don't remember exactly what they are supposed to do what. But right, you know, you just give a little pull, a little, and all of a sudden you're going to be able to turn, you're going to be able to stop, you're going to be able to go faster. And the same thing with a ship. Here you got this, this huge ship you could be carrying at this time of history, you know, a couple hundred people. They've got sails, and all of this is happening. There's these huge winds, but in the midst of all of that, what controls the ship? It's just this little rudder at the back. There's all this other stuff going on, but what ultimately matters is what direction the rudder is facing. And, and we've been in situations, right, where we thought, you know, maybe everything was going all right, and then one person let something out of their mouth, or we were the ones that started some kind of like chain reaction, and everything went in a completely different direction than any of us could control, because our tongues decided where things are going to go. 
It doesn't take a lot, right? That's what verse 5 says. Consider how small, how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. When I was in uh, the end of college time, I worked this couple summers as a, like a camp counselor. We do like some wilderness stuff and whatnot. And so when they taught us how to make campfires, their goal was for us to be able to make a one-match fire, right? So you would get the right kindling and everything underneath the larger logs so that you could strike one match and you wouldn't have to strike another. I think they wanted us to like save our resources probably and not be striking a bunch of matches with like fourth graders around and getting them too excited about fire or whatnot. But the point was you could set what would turn into a really large fire with one tiny match, with one, uh, what do you call it, like the flint thing. Um, like we, we recognize, right, that when we have these like huge forest fires out in, say like California, the other side of the country, like it didn't start by some guy like taking a flamethrower, like going out to the forest and just like, spraying things down. It doesn't need that kind of starter to start. It just needs a small spark. Like, man, like, is my tongue really this? I mean, I, I, I feel like from some of the nods and the hmms, uh, I think we kind of agree that, yeah, maybe our tongues are that sometimes. Um, that that is our nature, right? This goes back to um, the, the scripture is full of the idea that our, our tongues are not controlled by what is outside of us. It's out of the overflow of our heart that our mouth speaks. It's that from our heart comes the wellspring of life, the ability to either bless or curse, to give life or, or death or violence. So that when we, when we get in those situations and something comes out of our mouth that is angry, when something comes out of our mouth that is jealous, when something comes out of our mouth that is impatient, that is bitter, whatever it is. Like we talked about before, that's not those outside influences. If anger came out, that means anger is in here. If jealousy comes out, Jealousy is in here. If bitterness comes out instead of joy, then bitterness is in here. And, and we're, we're getting kind of like depressing, right? Because as James is going on, he's like, every kind of animal, like humankind, they mastered all of these animals. They subdued, you know, we talk about horses, but they said birds, reptiles, fish, everything can be tamed, has been tamed by humankind. 
But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You think it would change how you like thought about being quick to speak if you thought of your tongue as being full of deadly poison? <laughs> or if you imagine that everyone in here had poison in their tongue right now, would some of you like uh, move like a seat or two away? Like if it was like a poisonous snake, Dan's not here, so it's not going to hit as well. Um, right? We'd be, you hear like every other animal in uh, what's it, Australia is poisonous, right? Like, I, I know Rachel's in she, she wants to travel a lot. She has traveled a lot. I'm sure now that we're going to get married, like I'll be traveling a lot. You know, maybe, maybe we'll travel a lot of other places before Australia, or at least to the places where all the, the poisonous animals are, right? Like, you don't willingly, like, put yourself in harm's way in those kind of situations. We're, we're very cautious when we have even semi-tame animals, or you have animals at the zoo, right? You're not supposed to, like, go in the bear cage. You're not supposed to like, go and take a nap with the cougars. Like, there's, there's fences, there's glass. Like, don't feed the animals. Like, we recognize the danger there, and we put up barriers. We make it harder for us to put ourselves in harm's way. But we haven't figured out how to do that with our tongue. Right, it says, just like, just like in all these other areas of life that we've been talking about where your, your actions don't seem to match up with your faith. You're, you have people that are, are blessing and cursing with the same mouth. With, with, with our tongue, we, we bless our God and Father, and then the people that are made in His image, we curse them. Like, how does that Not that it hasn't happened, not that it hasn't continued to happen since James wrote this letter. Not that what has happened in our country and in countries around the world of people looking at people that are made in God's likeness and convincing of themselves that somehow they aren't that somehow there are people that aren't as much of God's image and likeness, and then perpetuating that. It doesn't mean that it hasn't happened, but it means that when it does, it has nothing to do with a mature person in terms of their faith nothing to do with someone that understands how to use their tongue. No, when someone is saying anything about someone made in God's image that does not place the value intended from that phrase, that is coming from what it says in verse 6. 
that it is itself set on fire by hell. So as we're as we're thinking, are there other areas in in my life, whether it's at home, at work, with friends, in certain relationships? Am I am I bringing am I trying to bring sweet water out here at church or? out at missional family and then hoping like all the, the junky water comes out at other times so people aren't watching? Am I thinking that, man, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, uh, what do you say? I'm gonna be a fig tree, but like, you know, on, on Thursdays when there's nobody's around, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some olives. That's how it works. Because it'd be nice to not have to be so, to take such a hard line. It'd be, it'd be easier to tell people they were okay. To be like, yeah, well, fine, whatever, you know? Like, well, you blessed God today, so that's good enough for the week. You know, you like make up for it. So it's okay that, you know, you're setting things ablaze at work. It's okay that you're burning down conversations with your partner and your spouse. So it's okay that you know the way that you talk to your kids really isn't the best because you're blessing God. That's not that's not what this says. James is saying, just like your works, your tongue needs to match your faith. Because it's obvious, we can see very obviously, that our tongues are powerful. And we see also in verse 2, right, that our tongues are a measure of our Right? If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is he's mature. He is right where he needs to be in terms of his walk in faith. So so as we as we consider what is what we hear come out of our mouths and maybe what what others tell us, that's a sign of where we need to grow. So like uh, a couple, I don't remember exactly, a week and a half or so ago, um, uh, Rachel and I are doing like premarital counseling and so we're going through this book and we're like giving ourselves like scores and certain areas and whatnot. And so there was there was one test where um, you know there was these 
thing, I think you were going, supposed to go up to like a scale of like four, and uh, one was about, um, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, like, um, like, and, and so when, when Rachel was talking about grading me, she was like, well, I wanted to give you this, and you know, sometimes you make these jokes, and so then I gave you a three, but then I moved it to a four. It's like, yeah, but still, so then I made it a three, then I don't know. And so I was like, you know what, that's fair. <laughs> right? Um, it's those, those things that, okay. No, yeah, that's true. Like, that's, that's somewhere where I can grow. And when we, as, we, as we've said throughout this series, when we, when we bring those things out, we help each other because then we know, like, if I, if I admit that, right, we were, we were talking and, and one of the things that I can struggle to have come out of my mouth sometimes is thank you. Just there are, are seasons where I struggle um, with gratitude. Now, you know, I'm not like the other of you are more cheerleader personalities, and that's, that's different. Than, than gratitude. Some of you are more excited, exciting people. Like yesterday, um, we we walked into this this store and I was gonna get, uh, you know, looking for a suit to get get married in. You know, yeah, yeah. So so I'm getting married. Like, oh, oh okay. You like excited? It's like, yeah, yeah, I am. It's like, oh, all right, yeah. Um, you know. Like you, you guys know that that's that's my excited face, right? Most of the time, um, you can have that kind of excited face and still be joyful. You can have, you know, a bigger excited face and not have real joy coming out. It doesn't. That's not the issue. The issue is what what's coming out from your heart, and you recognize that by what is or is not coming out. Right, because I can get up here and say, yeah, I don't struggle with any of this, and all of you guys would be like, I heard some of the stuff you said. I heard that joke that you thought was funny. And I know it wasn't. Okay, you got it on the fourth try. I really just put everybody through all that. Uh, right? And so, we have... the serious nature of the tongue, and we know that it's a measure of maturity, but then James says, no one can tame the tongue. So, that doesn't seem very helpful, James. Right? <laughs> like, okay. This is how you, be, you can be mature, by not stumbling what you say, but no one can tame the tongue. Well, shoot. But what's important here is that if you look at how it connects to verse 7, he's saying, us humans, we've tamed all these different animals, but as humans, we can't tame the tongue. We can't do anything about that on our own. On our own, our tongues are going to be blazing out of
you're doing this on our own. That's why we're here. Because of what Jesus did for us. And through the gift of the Spirit enables us to walk in faith with our actions, with our tongues, with our thoughts. He renews our hearts. Uh, so this isn't a let's make rules so that I don't cross those lines and burn things down in my life that we come. That's not what James is saying here. James is saying that when when your your faith and works match up and when your faith and your words match up, it's going to be obvious that you're going to be mature. You're not going to be setting about cursing. You're not going to be setting about tearing people down. You're not going to be out slandering and being angry and all of these things that we see included in lists of things we're to put off and put on, like what we walked through in Colossians um, earlier this year, or last, middle of last year, I guess. This is the beginning of this year. Um, but not that long ago, right? And in chapter three of Colossians, just like in chapter um, four and five of Ephesians, the similar list of you're supposed to put away anger and slander and malice and all kind of evil speech, but rather you should be giving thanks. But rather you should only be speaking with such a word that is good for the edification of those in the body of Christ. But rather You should be speaking the truth in love. Rather, you should allow the word of God to dwell in you so that you can speak to, not, speak to one another, sing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so that we become a people that aren't, aren't marked by, well, that's a group of people that, man, one day you're going to get a good word out of them, and one day, I don't even know where those other words came from. But rather, they're going to say, oh, is he necessary? They're so kind with their words. When, when they go to speak to me, they're, they're not quick to jump down my throat. They listen. They're very cons considerate of the power of their words. They recognize me as someone that's made in God's image. And they talk to me like that's true. And that's where the So we recognize that our tongues are powerful and that what we hear ourselves say, what others hear ourselves say, that's our 
That's our data to go off of, of what does God want me to work on. Oh, I just said a bunch of impatient things this week. God wants me to work on patience, apparently. That's my temperature. Right? It's not, it's not like a complicated stat. It's not one of those ones where, you know, you got to know, like, all kinds of statistics to figure it out. Or you have to do some Corshawn regression analysis or whatever. It's just like, oh, I said this. That means that came out of me. That's in my heart. God wants me to work on it. And so, so as we close, I don't know what, what those things that you've been hearing out of your mouth lately. Maybe, maybe that's something as, as we talked about, you said, man, I don't know if I've listened that close. Maybe, maybe this week, next week, you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down in terms of being slow to speak, but also so that I can hear the things that I'm saying. So I can hear what's going on in my heart. Right? Because we, we have plenty of distractions that will keep us from being present. Present enough to see, wow, why was I so angry that day? What's going on? That, why am I an angry person? Why am I a jealous person? Whatever those things are. Maybe that's one, one next step that you can do this coming week next few days to really listen to what's coming out of your mouth. To, to find someone close to you, a, a friend, a spouse, and say, hey, what has been coming out of my mouth recently? I know my words are powerful. Have they been building up or have they been tearing down? Have they been Joyful? Have they been depressive? Have they been jealous? Have they been rejoicing with other people when things go well? Whatever those things are, have have someone that you can trust. Because that's that's what this is. It isn't just like yeah, go do this on your own. That's not how this church works. That's not how Christian life works. That's not how any of this works. This is a together thing. This is. Each of us being able to say to one another, hey, this is an area in my speech where I, I feel like I, I struggle. This is an area where I don't want to be in the dark. I don't want to keep this in the dark for people. That's the first step is knowing. And then the, the second step then is, is we, we allow the Spirit to work with us, to work in us, to be those people that put on the new self, that speak with gentleness and kindness, that who are mature and don't stumble in what they say, who are able to control our tongues so that when you have opportunities, whether it's on the street, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, where there's a situation where everybody expects anger, frustration, whatever it is to come out of your mouth. Maybe there's um, 
difficult employee, a difficult coworker, a difficult customer, somebody just doesn't know how to use the doors on the train and is causing the thing and you want to be the person, you should be the person that is like yelling at them to like, no, don't you know how doors work, right? And those situations, but instead something generous and kind and loving comes out of your mouth. People are like, how did you, oh, I did. Like, regular Sean wanted to rip that person apart. But Jesus has enabled me to do something different with my tongue than nature intended. And that's where we have the opportunity um, for witness. Let's not be a church that is full of people that try to have it come out of both sides of our mouth. But that whatever side, whatever top, bottom, wherever it comes out of, it's true and it's mature. And let's encourage one another um, to help each other on our journey to maturity. Father, We thank you for this opportunity today to come together to bless your name, to encourage one another um, to follow you. And God, we, we know that the, the words we say, the way that we say them, have a profound effect on those around us. And God, we, we want to see unity. We don't want to be people that tear one another down, that talk behind our backs, that uh, don't give charity and kindness to one another in discussions. God, so we pray that these times when we come together to sing and bless your name, that it's not the one time out of the week where we're blessing and the rest of the time we're cursing. God, we pray that more and more and more, that you would help the words that come out of our mouth, that come from our hearts, to be yours, to be ones that are a result of the fruit of the Spirit who is working in us. God, that we would put aside those desires to be resentful in our speech, to be hurtful in our speech, to be angry in our speech. But that you would, through your spirit, give us the grace and strength with our tongues and to be purposeful in using them for good. God, that all of our days, each week, would be marked by the same tongue, the same 